What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on Wednesday, October 12th, one week away from the Grizzlies opening night game versus the New York Knicks at home on ESPN. So exciting. We're about to get into some basketball stuff, but we're technically going to get into some off-the-court stuff here. We got a good guest to talk, a great guest, actually, to talk about it here. But first, before I introduce him, let me let you know how you get in touch with the blog and with the podcast network. So Grizzly Bear Blues is the official blog of the Memphis Grizzlies for SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. And GBB Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network, where you can find every single episode of GBB Live, the Next Gen podcast, the Starting Five podcast, the Core Four podcast, and Grizzly Bear bets once again i'm your host parker fleming and with me is a contributor to spotrack sb nation's celtics blog and the co-host of the front office show keith smith keith how are you doing this afternoon i'm doing great thank you for having me on the show no problem and let's, let's just get right to it so uh keith's a very great expert at you know salary cap and contract extensions, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the Grizzlies, they've they've definitely had their fair share of ex- extensions over the past couple months, the obvious one being John Morant's max extension with the eligibility to make the, – with the possibility of making over $240 million over five years, John Conchar's extension for three years, $19 million, and Stephen Adams' extension for two years and $25 million. And so – I've ta- I talked about the Dylan Brooks dynamic of it a couple weeks ago on this show with Daily Memphians Chris Harrington. And as we are a couple days away from the deadline for rookie scale extensions, I do want to talk about Brandon Clark and just the whole dynamic with him. Do, should they extend him? Should they not? Do, do we think they actually already did it? Who knows? So uh, just with, with Brandon Clark, just quick summary of just what he's gone through in his career, all rookie uh, first team his first year really was just incredibly efficient, like 65% from the field, 35% from three, and was fourth in rookie of the year voting behind John Morant, Zion Williamson, and Kendrick Nunn. Had a little bit of sophomore slump where he saw his field goal percentage dip by 10 percentage points. He was out of the rotation by the playoffs, didn't really play in the playoffs except for garbage minutes. And then last year really made a bounce back and solidified his spot in the rotation and really played a pivotal part in that first round series for the Memphis Grizzlies. Maybe even was a driving factor why they won. So Keith, as we're a couple days away from this Monday's deadline for the rookie scale extension, what what has Brandon Clark done to the point to get into the conversation of having a rookie scale extension? Because, you know, there's a lot. There's only a handful of guys, you know, it always every year is like, oh, a lot of guys got extended. But if you really look at the draft class, it's it's not a lot. I, it, the percentage is quite small. So what has Brandon Hart done to get to the point of an extension? Sure. Yeah. And on that, it's generally about a third of the first rounders. Uh, you'll always have about somewhere between five and eight guys who don't even make it uh, to extensions because they've been waived or they're they're out of the league and those kind of things. Uh, then you'll have 
you know, maybe 10 or so that sign them and then the rest don't and they go into restricted free agency. For Brandon Clark, I think what, what what's interesting as you kind of ran through his career progression is if he had continued the shooting that he showed as a rookie, uh, it'd be a no-brainer. He'd, he'd be making probably $20 million a year um, mm-hmm. on an extension. It'd probably already be done. Um, even as a third big um, in Memphis's rotation, because at 36% as a shooter, now it was on relatively low volume, 1.1 attempts per game, but that was still, you were feeling pretty good about that. He was also at about 76% from the line. Again, very low attempts, but you're feeling good about that. Uh, the last couple of years, his jump shot has really just kind of gone away. Last year, he did there two two seasons ago. He didn't shoot it well in the last year. He really just stopped taking them and really kind of refocused on, all right, I'm going to get my points in and around the paint. And, and I think that's made the difference for him as far as you mentioned, getting back his efficiency back up 64% from the field last year that's you know phenomenal i thought last year was his best defensive year in the league as well i thought he showed an ability to step out and hold his own on the perimeter some uh he was you know still kind of doing his thing around the rim as a shot blocker uh still remains a you know pretty solid per minute rebounder um you know for for all things considered there so it's funny because i look at it where i would say he's if you told me the Grizzlies reached a four-year contract extension with Brandon Clark and it was for $15 million a year, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me they didn't come to an agreement and he was going to play out the year and be a restricted free agent next year. Wouldn't surprise me either. I, I think he's one of those guys who's uh, right in that mix for, yeah, you should consider extending him if you can get it at the right number, but if you can't, it's probably best to let it play out. Knowing the risk, though, is this summer we may have more teams with cap space than there are players suspended on, and often that results in restricted free agents getting nice offer sheets, which then their incumbent team has to occasionally overpay to match to keep the player around. Absolutely. And, yeah, it's it's an interesting dynamic because – and we'll get into it as we get into the show, but, like, uh, I think the Steven Adams extension, it's not long, but it's kind of complicating things because it's like, okay, do we want to shell out this much money towards non-shooting bigs, even though they are great fits next to Jaron Jackson Jr.? They mm-hmm. also have forward prospects as well that they're going to be developing, and the Grizzlies have shown an inclination to Moneyball. But also, too, like Brandon Clark, he – you know, I, I didn't get to go to media day, but from uh, my colleague Brandon Abraham and – the other uh, Memphis media members covering that he might've had a little bit of an oopsie and kind of let kind of gave everybody like a, Hey, read between the lines. We're going to get to something, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it can go either way, but I want to, I want to get your opinion on just the market for him because I'm not saying this in a way of, he's a really, really great role player. And I'm not saying this in a way to make him sound like a potential all-star, but he's a unique player because he's an energy big man who he's not a starter, but he's a closer. He's kind of a bench bucket getter, but not in the sense of like a Lou Will or Jamal Crawford in that sense. He's a non-shooter, but he's an elite pick and roller. Just what's the market for these third big men slash forwards. I know you probably have a good frame of reference because for one, all the stuff you do around the league, but also two, 
the Boston Celtics are kind of in this dilemma with Grant Williams, who is yep. kind of like Clark, an elite switch or not a, a very good switchable defender. Um, though Grant Williams isn't the roller that Clark is, Brandon Clark's not the shooter that Grant Williams is. So, like, what do you say is the market for players like that? Because everybody gets kind of weary about extending somebody who's not a starter when you know if these guys can close out playoff games and be effective and impact winning basketball why not extend them no and that's a great point i get there all the time where you know people will scream and yell we saw a lot of it in the last couple weeks with the tyler hero extension it was like you're paying him you know that much money you know to for a guy who comes off the bench you know essentially 30 million average annual value like what are you thinking you know why would you do this and and the reality is what there's a couple things at play right it's we all think about you know who can be part of that closing five in the playoffs well, there's 82 games we got to play to get there first. And those 82 <clears throat> games still do have value, right? So some of that, what you're paying is for regular season value. Then some of it is, in, in the case of a guy like Hero, is, hey, if we put four good defenders around him, we should be fine in the playoffs. You know, right. We should, should be able to be out there. In the case of guys like Grant Williams and Brandon Clark, you're absolutely right. If, this was, if we were having this conversation maybe even as recently as three years ago, we would have been like, ah, third big, you know, that's just, that's replacement. You go get somebody every year. You can cycle through. Um, what I think has changed in the league is if you have three good bigs, you feel like, all right, I've got my 96 minutes of big man uh, minutes covered between the four and the five. I'm good because I'm probably going to play small, at least somewhat of the time and play with just one big on the floor. And then if I get the other three guys, I can split, let, let's just say 90 minutes of the game. I'm, I'm sad, you know, 30 minutes a piece and, and off we go. That keeps them all, you know, hopefully fresh and ready to go. So that, that does have an increased value. Now, I think for Memphis, there's also something you have to factor in. Clark's been relatively durable, I would say, throughout his career. It seems like, um, you know, he's had some some bumps and stuff, but most for the most part, when he seems to me, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong on this by all means, seems like when he's missed games, it's more been role related. He's been kind of out of the rotation versus being, um, you know, truly injured and out for long periods of time. And you have to factor that in with Jaron Jackson Jr., who I. I kind of irrationally love um as a player so oh don't we all don't we all right (laughs) but it's to be fair he's 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 not the picture of health right so you have to having a third big when you you have just you got to be protected um when when jaron jackson jr is one of your main guys you got to have that guy that you feel like all right hey uh triple j is out I'm going to go with Clark and, and I know we're good. We're going to get by for, you know, whether it's, you know, two weeks, four weeks, you know, two months, whatever it is, I feel pretty good that we have that guy uh, in the fold here. And I think that's something that's going to have to be a uh, weighing on Memphis as well. They've also done historically over the years, they have liked to take care of their own, especially under this front mm-hmm. office. We draft, we develop, we resign. And that's how we, we move forward with this. It's not a traditional free agent market. They're not going to be uh, major free agent players. And I think, um, one thing that's telling with the way this is probably lining up is the fact that Steven Adams did get extended. The fact that Tyus Jones got a two-year contract. Um, John Morant, that extension's a no-brainer, um, obviously. Oh, yeah. But this tells me for guys like Dylan Brooks and uh, uh, Brandon Clark, 
all right, we are basically saying we're not going the cap space route next summer. So that increases the likelihood of, or we're going to keep around a couple of our own guys that we've drafted and developed and gone forward with. That sounds great in the short term. The problem is years two, three, uh, four of an extension for Brandon Clark. What does that look like when you have John Morant on the books at max money? You have Jaron Jackson Jr. at pretty good money. They were very smart to structure his deal as a declining deal year to year. Steven Adams is on a perfectly fine uh, deal a couple years out. But in what would be you know years three and four, Desmond Bain will have an extension that will have kicked in by then. Um, and how else have we filled out our roster? Those are all the things that you're weighing. And only some of those have really anything to do with Brandon Clark directly as a player. A lot of times what gets caught up in this is what else is going on with our roster. And then the next thing I'll say is a major factor is this summer, I project nine, maybe 10 teams to have a good amount of cap space. So somewhere between 30 million and more. And we're going to run out of players to spend that money on very, very Correct. quickly because what's happened is right. We all know extensions as we were basically doing this whole show on that's mm -hmm. the name of the game for these veteran guys. So these guys come off the board now off the free agent board and never even hit free agency. So one of the things you have to factor in is, all right, is there going to be a team that's going to be sitting there and saying, well, you know, Brandon Clark wasn't, you know, one, two, maybe not even top 10 on our board, but, one through eight are now off the board because of extensions. We're still sitting here on 50 million. We got to spend it on somebody. Let's craft an offer sheet yeah, that puts the Grizzlies in a really bind to match, you know, something that's in the 20 to 25 million a year range, where maybe that's a little more than Memphis wants to pay for him. But we've set it up now that, you know, that's the way you get them because quite Frankly, in restricted free agency, you have to kind of overpay to get a guy to give yourself exactly. a chance. Because anything reasonable, the team's just going to match. That's also why I kind of lean where the Grizzlies are more likely to give him an extension than not. Because, I mean, for one, I, I I think he's a very good basketball player. I think he's been, when when he's healthy and he's he's right, he, he's a very impactful player to winning basketball. He's a crucial part of their closing lineup because he allows you to switch one through four, one through, or really like two through five because mm -hmm. of his fit with Jaron Jackson Jr. But that I, I don't know if they are going to risk him getting in restricted free agency. Now I, I think that conversation that you're getting into is a, t a discussion for an entirely different day, but I think that kind of holds tr true with Dylan Brooks. I think Dylan Brooks is going to be a guy you look up and unrestricted free agency, and he's it's like, oh shoot, this team's offering him like 20 mil annually, and yep. it makes sense, and it totally sure. makes sense too. Yeah, but yeah, like I it's it's gonna be a very interesting dynamic because of his skill set, but also too, like his his fit with Jaw, Bane, and Jaron. Because here's the thing: you want to pay good you want good basketball players, you want them on the team, but it's even more important that they fit, and there's a fit here with Ja, Bain, Jaron, and Clark. Uh, this past regular season, the Grizzlies outscored their opponents by 7.5 points per 100 possessions and about 240 non-garbage time possessions, though those those four never playing garbage time. In the postseason, though, that number spiked up to 21.3 points per 100 possessions better than their opposing teams. And I feel like that's a little bit more important because at that point, you're playing the best teams. You're not pay playing – you're not playing Oklahoma City. You're not playing yeah. Washington, Indiana. You're playing the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Golden State Warriors, good teams. So do you think 
even though he's not a starter, he's a third dig man. Do you think that fit with those three guys into that closing lineup where you could basically say, all right, we'll put Ja, Bain, second wing, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr. into our closing lineup, and we are confident we could beat just about anybody in the league. Yeah, and that's the important part is it doesn't really matter if he starts or not. Um, but let's say they hit a four-year extension. Well, the next two years, Steven Adams is under contract, and I feel pretty good about saying he'll probably start uh, those, those two years the vast mm-hmm. majority of the time. But what Steven Adams is starting to transition to, and I think we saw it more in the playoffs is he's probably by the, the second year of that extension. So that would be what the 24, 25 season. Um, that's probably Steven Adams is probably getting the first five minutes of each half kind of starter role, maybe for six, seven minutes, but he's probably going to be somewhere in the 15 minute a night, regular season range um, mm-hmm. at, at that point. And then potentially maybe even less in the postseason. We'll see. He's more of the, Hey, go out there, soften them all up with a million hard screens and, you know, uh, maybe, maybe drop a guy or two in the lane when they drive. And then, then we're, we're moving. And that's where, you know, I, people get caught up in who starts and who doesn't start. And I know there's valid reasons for it sometimes. And it's sometimes it's very valid to players, but I think in Brandon Clark's case, he could not be a starter and still deliver, you know, somewhere in the 20 million average of annual value range. I'm on a contract very easily because it doesn't matter if he starts, he's probably going to be approaching 30 minutes a night uh, down the line, eventually alongside as as Adams kind of ages out uh, of the, the curve here. Now, then you become all right. Adams ages out in the last couple of years of what would be a Clark extension. Who steps in? Well, is that going to be Santi Aldama? Is that going to be you know someone who's not on the roster now? Will they trade for somebody? The Grizzlies have shown under this front office group they make very smart trades um, where it's you know sometimes it doesn't all come together initially when you get the initial reports, but then when you think about it, and then especially when you see it on the floor, it all starts to make a lot more sense. But that's aided by the fact that they've drafted and developed so well. So I think what you're really looking for there is all right, can the next couple of years, I feel what well, th- this year and then the two years after, I feel fine about what they've got with their three big rotation with Adams, Clark, and Jackson. Assuming Clark resigns, it then becomes our right, what are the years after that? Can Zaire Williams, will he have grown up, grown enough, filled out enough that he can play some minutes at the four and you know, slide mm-hmm. in there? Well, what is that rotation going to look like? But all that said, yeah, I would pay Brandon Clark um, a number. Now, there's a number where it gets silly, right? And it starts to be like, all right, that's too much. I think you go much north of $20 million, um, That's where I would start to feel really kind of uncomfortable, mostly because I don't know if you're going to be able to put enough shooting on the floor then. I start to worry about that. And as I mentioned, if you re-sign Dylan Brooks, obviously they're going to extend Desmond Bain when they can, you're going to start to really be a team that's going to get very expensive, even with a rising cap. But if you could get him right now between, you know, let's say 15 and 17 million in first year salary, and then build off that great. Fantastic. You could get him on 20 to 22 million first year salary structure, like Jaron Jackson, where it descends each year, even 
better um, because then as uh, Morant and Bain, who they're going to get the big money here, um, most right. likely as their salaries climb into the high thirties and low forties, if, you know, Clark and Jackson are, you know, going the other direction, they're going from the, you know, uh, mid to low twenties and downward so much the better. So those are the things where I, I trust this front office to have their walkaway number in terms of total dollars, but then to really work and say, Hey, you're getting $80 million do you really care how it's structured? You don't? Great. Let's go. Let's get this set up. Absolutely. And you you touch on a point that, you know, I, I want to get to here. It's just, you know, the Grizzlies, in a sense, they, they've moneyballed quite a bit, obviously, with, you know, with dealing with dealing Jonas Valanciunas. It was different where they wanted to use him to move up in the draft, but Mm-hmm. They trade away Grayson Allen, who was due for an extension, to free up that opportunity for Desmond Bain. They traded away DeAnthony Melton because they believe in the development of John Conchar. They tr- they let Kyle Anderson walk in free agency because they trust the developmental process with their two first-round draft picks. So, you know, you now see right now you have – and also, too, didn't even mention with that Kyle Anderson uh, walk away. Santi Aldama has looked really good in preseason play compared to what he looked like last year. Do you think that, you know, the recent draft picks of Jake Laravia and David Roddy, as well as the development of Santi Aldama, does that change anything for the priority in retaining Brandon Clark long-term? Does it do anything to his quote-unquote organizational hierarchy, untouchable list, however you want to phrase it? Does that, do those kinds of players change anything or not really? No, I I think it does because there's a couple things. One is as you start projecting out a few years down the line, uh, just on your salary cap sheet, you start to look into, all right, how much can we pay everybody? And now the cap's going up, which means the tax line is going up and, and we're expecting another you know, spike even with some very likely uh, some kind of smoothing work in there, but it is still going to jump by a good amount, but there's still a limit in, in, as much as um you know memphis is i think sometimes people get silly with the whole thing of like oh it's not a basketball city move the grizzlies that's all stupid you know in my Mm -hmm. opinion um i think it's a great basketball city i I know um uh how much the 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 town loves these guys um and but it's still not it's not new york it's not la it's not the bay area like they're, they're never going to be you know all right well we can do a 200 million dollar payroll plus 200 million dollars in tax penalties like that that's just not going to happen that's not realistic no it's and it's not realistic for you know 90% of the nba but i think what is realistic is how do we balance this out and to your point I, I, you you know kind of calling it the moneyball approaches yeah it's about Bring in the next level of guys, right? Because we're going to bring them in behind the, the the other guys. And then as the other guys are starting to get expensive, well, we get these guys to slide in. And, and yeah, we'll see if they feel like, you know, all right, you know, not only can Santi Aldama be a 10-minute-a-night backup, but we think he can grow into 15, 20, 25 minutes a night. That will have an impact on what they're willing to play Brandon Clark. They look at it and say, you know, Jake LaRavia, we think we could get by with playing him some minutes at, at small ball four. Um, all right. Then that's 
probably going to have a minute or, or an impact on how much we want to play Brandon Clark. Um, I mentioned Zaire Williams. If it turns into, you know, we think we can get by with him. Uh, Xavier Tillman, um, you know, if we think, all right, that's a guy we, you know, if we're down to our fourth big and he's it, we feel pretty good about that. All of those things factor in because you're really looking at, you're trying to build the best roster around John Moran into a lesser degree. Jaron Jackson Jr. is kind of your, 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 uh, uh, locked in centerpieces going forward. And obviously Desmond Bain will be in that group uh, probably a year from now when he's getting his extension. But what you're looking at is, all right, where does it fit? Because the reality is one thing that sometimes hurts teams when you draft and develop really well is you can't pay everybody. Because exactly. there are limit, right. And that that's where it becomes a challenge. And if your projections are, all right, you know, I know it sounds crazy because Zaire Williams is starting year number two right now. But if you're projecting, all right, hey, in, you know, four years from now, uh, we think, you know, Zaire Williams is going to be, you know, at that point, a $30 million player because that's, you know, just where things are going cap wise. Then you have to really start factoring in, all right, what are we going to look at? That's why these front offices, it's never about just next year and the year after. It's about planning and building out for years and years down the line, especially when you're in position with such a a roster filled with young players like the Grizzlies have right now. So all of those things are going to factor in for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And then at that point, you you start getting into like consolidation where it's like, okay, we mm-hmm. believe in our player development. Let's yeah. see how much of these guys we could put together to get a trade package, given the assets that we have, and really just go get a bonafide dude and just build the rest of our depth with our rookie scale contracts, the guys that we draft, the guys that we develop, maybe some guys who unearth from being just undrafted two way guys like they did with John Conchar. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's also interesting. I guess it makes me excited for this new uh, cap spike landscape because like the possibilities are endless. Granted, we were, I remember in sure. my, I think it was 2016, you know, like that, <laughs> you had that big cap spike and everyone's like, Oh yeah, that Chandler Parsons contract will look like <laughs> a $17 million contract in just two years. And then the Warriors just dismantled everybody and didn't generate the yeah. amount of revenue we should have because everybody's just, getting steamrolled by the Warriors and Cavaliers. So not in that cap spot, those projections don't really hit, but yeah, you know, that's, it's a great problem to have in a sense, sure. but also then you kind of have like what you had this summer where, you know, people are upset, not, not just fans, but you had media upset that they kind of let Anthony Melton and Kyle Anderson walk for a pretty, pretty modest price. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, why did they do that? And just replace them with rookies. And it's like, well, you can't pay everyone. Yeah. So no, absolutely. It's, yep. It's one of those things for sure. Well, okay, I think get, one, I just want to add one other thing too that I think is, you know, I, I've talked about this a lot with the Grizzlies that I'd be really excited about is, you know, the cap's going to go up next year. We know that it's going to go up some. Um, but when these big jumps are happening, John Morant's already going to be signed and locked into whatever his deal is. So mm-hmm. right now it projects to start at 33.5 and then go up you know, roughly, let's call it, you know, about two and a half million ish uh, every year from there. So as it goes up from there, what happens is it's unless they make a major change in the CBA, you know, in 25, 26, when we may see the next big cap spike, his deal won't jump. It doesn't continue to rise with the cap. It's locked in mm-hmm. and stays. And 
the best thing the the very best thing you can have in the NBA is players on rookie scale contracts that are great, which the Grizzlies are. This is it for that with John Moran, right? That, this is the last year of that uh, benefit of you know having him for twelve million dollars uh, when he's going to be a you know he'd be a forty million dollar player on the open market. But in a couple years, he's going to be making thirty eight point eight million dollars. Great. You know, obviously, but that's going to be against a cap that may be, you know, $150 million. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're going to be in a position where you have a super duper star, a guy who, if you, all I need to know is hey, when you're kind of surfing around the NBA and NBA Twitter, I don't know how much you get to do this because you're obviously focused on the Grizzlies during Grizzly games. Um, right. But when I'm seeing, 20 other NBA players tweeting about, did you just see what John just did? All of a sudden it's like, Hey, guys want to play with me here in Memphis for a, being a smaller market. It's not a Memphis is not in the sticks somewhere where it's like, well, you got forgotten about there. It's still a, you know, it's a city. I know a lot of players really like Um, it's, it's very centrally located to a lot of places. So I know a lot of guys who have gone through there and are like, you know, I I ended up really enjoying it there. So you're going to have, you know, uh, John Morant at a, you know, what at the time by then, if everything continues with his career as we expect it to will be quite frankly, an undervalued contract and, you know, probably cap space if they manage everything right. And, you know, super duper stars saying, who wants to play here with me? Like, you could not ask for more than that right now. Absolutely. And, Keith, I just, I just want to give you the fair warning. You know, Jason Tatum played AAU ball in Memphis, right? <laughs> played AAU yeah, well, ball in Memphis when he was a kid. The biggest fear Celtics fans have is when the NBA expands that they're going to put a team in St. Louis because day one, Jason Tatum's like, I'm out, I'm going home. Because there, there's few and far between if I met NBA players who love home as much as Jason Tatum loves St. Louis. So, so that's the fear for Celtics fans is that that the NBA will expand and put a team in St. Louis. That that's when that's when Bradley Beal decides to just forget his yep, trade exactly. calls. Like, all right, I'll go home. I'll go home and play with Tatum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> the fear. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, let's uh, wrap this up with the question of the day. Thank you for the 77 accounts that voted on this question. I asked my followers, my listeners, how should the Grizzlies approach Brandon Clark's extension slash restricted free agency? Should they, I said, do it for three to four years, 13 plus million dollars annually per year. That had 27.3% of the votes. The most at 59.7% were to extend him for three to four years between 10 and $12 million annually. Uh, 7.8% said wait until restricted free agency and 5.2% said not a priority right now. I'll get to my answer shortly, but first Keith, what would, what would your answer be? How should the Grizzlies approach Brandon Clark's extension slash restricted free agency? The one that won the poll would be an absolute dream from the team perspective because 10 to $12 million, that's mid-level money um, now moving forward. Like this year, the mid-level exception is over $11 million. So, or it's almost $11 million. It's projected to be $11.4 million next year. So 10 to 12 million, that's mid-level money. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I hate to crush everybody's dreams who voted for that. Brandon Clark, should fire his agent if that's what they accept because he's worth way more than that. 
Um, you know, it would be, that's crazy. That would be there for him no matter what um, happens next summer. Even if a team's like, hey, you're only ever going to be our third or even our fourth big, but at 10 to $12 million, we're perfectly happy to pay you that. Um, I think for me, um, 13 feels even a little light to me um, from, from the Clark side. Again, great for the Grizzlies. I think you're probably looking something more in that 15 to 17 um, annual value range, maybe even creeping slightly higher, um, especially if I, I think what's happening here maybe is there might be a little bit of a game of chicken going on with a guy you brought up earlier, which is Grant Williams, which is right. They were drafted. I, I think maybe even right next to each other in the draft, but I know it's very yep, close right next to each other. It's what I thought. Yeah. Um, you might be seeing a couple of uh, groups there um, saying, all right, which team's going to blink first here before the deadline on the 17th and ink these extensions? Because I think what you're going to see is um, one may set very, may help set the market for the other one um, in, in a major way. Um, and then what happens is then you get a little bit of anchoring and that sometimes turns into, all right, well now we can either uh, far easier get a deal done because now we know what we're looking at or occasionally what happens in those situations is all right there's no deal to be done because just because he signed a bad deal for him doesn't mean i'm gonna do it and then it just mm -hmm. says all right we're playing this out to restricted free agency so i i think that first option would be what i would have voted for but i also would have commented something along the lines of that eh, feels maybe a little bit light yeah i get it um so i've been kind of looking at the landscape of the league and what other players are getting kind of similar players I want to throw out another Celtic where I think this would be a very reasonable number, but Robert Williams, this extension a few years ago for four and 54. Yeah. I thought that was really solid. I've seen Nance and Kleber kind of in the same ballpark as Clark of like three to four years with about 11. I think no Nance was two years. Kleber was three years, but average annual of $11 million a year, which I know like that's where you're like, Oh, that's kind of too low for Clark. I feel like that's where I, it at least starts, and that's where I kind of want to be surprised if they get at. Because I think one thing about Memphis that they've kind of shown is they've they you know they pay, they take care of their guys, but they mm -hmm. also are smart with the money. Because let's be real, like you know, Stephen Adams probably could have gotten an extension a little higher than what he got at two and twelve mil. Granted, yeah. the the playoff thing kind of out there. He's not a shooter, but he's an elite rebounder, elite screener, and he's one of the better playmaking big men that we ha we have in this league. Now, obviously, he's not like in the Jokic territory, but like he's kind of similar, or he's kind of creeping up towards like how like Mark Gasol or late career Jakeem Noah with Memphis. Like he's become like one of those playmakers, and you know, I, I think they take care of their guys, but they're also aware of their books, but also too, Robert Pear came out and said through uh, a report from Brian Windhorst that he's not, and Zach Kleinman said it himself la uh, last year uh, in exit interviews. They do not, they are going to pay their guys what they feel like is, is right. And they're not really afraid of how much they got to spend if they, because they feel like they have a contending team. So. And that's and the that, message you have to send, right? Yeah. You, you cannot, um, say, hey, Ja, thanks for signing your extension. Now we're going to get cheap and not pay guys. Because hey. we all know what that turns into. That turns into, 
I would like a trade request. Get me out of here. Right. Yeah. And, and I never blame a player for that. If that's what the organization does, if they kind of pull a 180 on you, that's unexpected. One thing I want to touch on. So mm-hmm. Robert Williams got the Celtics got him on what is now an insanely team friendly contract. Very team because friendly. Of the, because of the injury concerns. He had never made it through a season healthy until the year he year before he signed that. Even then he had some stuff. Then he signed it. He was great all the way up until he got hurt last year. Um, that's why his number is so low is because of those major injury concerns. He's going to miss the first probably month, month and a half, maybe even two months of this season as well. Uh, Maxi Kleba number a little bit lower because he's a guy who played overseas for several years before coming to the NBA. He's already, I believe he's 29. So that's also why his, his number is a little bit lower And Larry Nance jr. Again, injury concerns, right? He, he struggles to make it through. I think if I was Clark's agent, I would be saying, okay, if you guys want to use all those guys as a comp, that's great. But Here's what I want to do. My guy's here every single year, right? He's yeah, or here every single game. He's pretty much healthy all the time. He can do a lot of the things. Um, that's where I guarantee you'd see a lot of the, uh, hey, let's start pulling out some per minute stats, right? Of, you know, if he played as, as much as, you know, player X and player Y, you know, this is what it, what it projects to be. So that's, that's where I think that factor in the fact that the cap is going way up and all that stuff. That's why I would nudge that number a little higher. And I would just be very surprised if he came in at anywhere near uh, what those guys are. If the Grizzlies get him at that home run major win for the Grizzlies, great stuff. That's just more money you can invest and spend later on other players as you need to round out the roster. That's, that's awesome. I hope that is the way it goes for the Grizzlies sake, but I think Brandon Clark and his agent are probably looking at saying that's great, but, you know, factor in all these other things about me, about the environment, about where things are going. And I think it's probably just going to have to be a little bit more money than, than, than what those guys got. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's going to be very interesting to monitor over the next couple of days. And man, I, t- I tell you what, if it gets into restricted free agency, I'll be, I'll be a little bit uneasy. Cause you know, <laughs> yeah. there's just that, there's just that unease with guys that, go into restricted free agency when you should have extended them in the first place. We saw that last year with Jalen Brunson. We saw it the year before with John Collins, though they did get to a very, very strong deal with the, with him, with the Hawks and Collins. You still don't want that unease, that, that kind of cloud hanging over everything. I mean, I feel like they're already going to have it with Dylan Brooks's unrestricted free agency, because I do not think the, I, I don't think, Dylan Brooks should take the max extension that he can get. But yeah. And to close the show, I want to just like outline Clark's per 36 numbers because you did bring up his uh, per minute basis uh, 19.2 points, 9.9 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 3.1 stocks on an effective field goal percentage of 65%. Pretty damn good player. <laughs> yep. you, you pay those guys. You pay those guys. Also, too, I, I kind of have a a little there should there's a little bit of a bias. I think he's the guy that won the Grizzlies that playoff series against the Timberwolves. Him and Bain both won the Grizzlies that series, if we're being completely honest. So yeah, however they do it, you know, the Grizzlies front office have shown their methodology. They've shown that they can be a little bit unpopular, but once you actually let it play out beyond the reports, you're like, okay, yeah, I see it now. Or Hey, how do they see this? But 
whatever. It's it's all good. I, I have confidence that the Grizzlies are going to do the right thing here. I, I hope it's an extension for Brandon Clark because paying good players is very nice. And um, yeah, that's that's really all I have for the show. Keith, is there anything you want to close the show with? Anything you want to plug in on your end? No, I would just say, you know, like you said, if it gets a restricted free agency, this is the exact same heartburn Celtics fans have with Grant Williams right now is, you know, and, and it's interesting because there's also a case of, all right, well, we've got our other young big locked up, you know, long-term, and we also, both teams have an aging veteran, right? In the Celtics mm-hmm. case, it's Al Horford. In the Grizzlies case, it's Steven Adams. Um, So I think it's the same thing of like, we got to get this guy signed Um, as far as Graham Williams goes. And people are starting to get a little bit nervous of, hey, if it goes to restricted free agency, I won't cuss on your show. But one of the things that's a very popular saying around the NBA is it only takes one you know, bleep to really mess everything up. And it only takes mm-hmm. one team to say, you know what? we'll throw Brandon Clark a $25 million a year offer sheet because, you know, cause we can, and we believe in him and yeah, maybe it's a little bit of an overpay, but you overpay to get restricted free agents. And now all of a sudden the Grizzlies are stuck in a point where it's like, now what do we do right moving forward? So that's, 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 I, I'm fully there with you. I'm going to be really, those are the two guys along with Jordan Poole that I am most interested in from the 2019 draft class over the next few days is do they land extensions? And then it'll be interesting to monitor because it'll be, you know, let's say sometime shortly after the trade deadline in that February range, probably slightly before that, we'll start hearing the murmuring of Team X is thinking about making a run at, you know, Brandon Clark mm-hmm. and Grant Williams. And, you know, maybe, maybe they'll trade for him now so that they, they own their restricted rights and those kind of things. And that's, you know, that's the unfortunate thing too. Anytime a player's on a, on a uh, expiring contract, you have to start to factor that in as well as right, should we keep, them around should we trade him you know is now the time to move um but you know all things considered i think the grizzlies are in a great place where if uh to extend brandon clark or not is kind of your your big concern at this point i think that means you've probably done pretty well uh with the rest of your roster stuff and that that that's a pretty great place to be in yeah absolutely i i totally agree and keith i want to thank you for coming on today's show Everyone, y'all can follow him over at Keith Smith NBA for all his great work at Spotrack, uh, the front office show, and SB Nation Celtics blog covering the Boston Celtics. So thank you, Keith, for coming on today's show. And uh, I appreciate can, it. Thank you for having me. No problem. And you can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka, and you can Follow the blog on Twitter, SBN Grizzlies. Make sure you're reading all of our work over at grizzlybearblues.com. And make sure you're liking, subscribing, downloading, writing a, re- a review, a five-star review for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. And with that, that's it. <laughs>